You Landed on a Substance, a podcast aimed at being biblical, thoughtful, and human. Join us every other week as we engage the culture without the culture war. I'm your host, Philip Marinello, joined here by my pal and co-host, Trevor Aiken. Hey, how's it going? How are uh, hey. tonight? Uh, it'll be interesting. Job, to, I mean, we're, we're very committed to uh, engaging the culture without the culture war, but like today's episode is kind of on the culture <laughs> war. Man, it's there's there's some heavy stuff going here, and and I think what'll be interesting it's it's very similar to things that we've said on an earlier episode, but um, I think it'll be interesting to see how Christians respond to this because. I think it's just surprising sometimes to hear some of the things that we're going to talk about these Christian leaders saying. Like, it's just surprising. Saying so loudly and so proudly and so just, like, bald face, like, this is my position now. Yeah. And it's like, was this always the position? So I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Um, so. <laughs> what is this that people have landed on? The this is the thing. substance brought to you by you, the listeners here. Uh, the substance is a Christian variety show. And every other week we talk for about an hour or so about things related to Christianity, culture, and the arts. Sometimes we have great guests on. Um, previous guests in our over 100 episode back catalog include folks like Justin Gibney, Show Baraka, Caitlin Shess, Robert P. Jones, and others. We got a nice little catalog there you can look uh those things up other times we chop it up amongst ourselves sometimes short form but like today sometimes we're uh we're gonna spend the whole hour on one topic and then at the end we're gonna be sharing some shout outs so welcome to the substance and for regular listeners um they might notice that the hosting situation is a little different on this episode yeah, for the next little bit, it's just going to be me and Philip as uh, Vince takes a uh, sabbatical, time uh, needed for rest and reflection. And me and Philip are going to hold it down with just the two of us until he gets back. So, whenever we don't have guests, Trevor's like, we need to have less guests and do more us episodes. But then when we do, you're like, oh, dang, I need shout outs. But um, speaking of guests, I don't think I want to say anything yet because we haven't recorded it yet. And I never want to jinx something like that. But we got an email for somebody who we have been after for, I checked, over two years that finally said, hey, we'd love to talk to you guys. So fingers crossed. Haven't recorded that yet, but very, very excited. You, you saw that text I sent you, right, Trev? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty pumped. I'm very, very excited. And my wife's excited and your wife is excited. It's rare that both hosts and both hosts' spouses are equal level of excitement about a potential future guest so indeed that one's very exciting yes okay enough ego stroking and hope that that uh <laughs> that guest we get you, get you stoked it's really really i'm very very excited. excited keep keep coming back keep watching the feed so this one trevor put this on my radar i think there was i mean this has been going on since 2016 but the uh, the National Conservatism Organization recently had a conference in Miami with a very interesting slew of speakers. Good golly. They had speakers for days. They had like dozens of speakers with <laughs> like they had a couple of big names and then a lot of folks who like not not to belittle the other folks, but like the big names went on for a while. But like they have dozens and dozens of people who are just giving 20 minute here's conservative talking points speeches like it must have been wild to be yeah but uh you texted me this 
probably because uh, Al Moeller was on the list there. Yeah, um, Al Moeller's on the list. We've got, uh, as me and Philip were kind of like looking through the list, we've got Al Moeller on the list. We got his number one guy. What's his name on the list? Uh, Will- William Wolf is yeah. like top aid guy. We got him on the list. We got um, John- former Trump uh, official. <laughs> oh, neat. We got Joe Rigney, the um, successor to John Piper at Bethlehem up there he's he's in this mix so and if you've been following the substance for a while you probably know that like one of our passion points is that the church is weaker when it is united solely to one political movement or party yeah and so it's it's really concerning when we see the different branches of really what we would consider kind of see our previous episode on fundamentalism like our heritage and and from all different arms intersecting here with this well our very first episode was when J Mac went on ben shapiro's show and we're like hey some of the stuff that they're hinting at is concerning like some things here that are, that are a little concerning other stuff we thought was good and then you know then the statement on social justice came out and we read that and we're like but you say stuff that's explicitly not biblical in here. So it sounds like you're just trying to own the libs, but at the same time you own yourself because you went ahead and like made this, this statement that's patently false biblically. We can go to text and disprove many of the statements in here. Um, and then you've demanded these signatories to it. And once again, we have a statement with signatories here. Yes, we do from the national conservatism conference and this is what we want to look at for the episode primarily the statement right trev yeah primarily primarily i mean the statement the event the the stuff in the statement the the, lineup the lineup the history of this like how and and just the conservative white christian traditions entanglement in this stuff and how it's really some of the sides that have decided, especially with, in light of the racial protests and the and the kind of second civil rights movement um, that has happened over the last few years, and the pushback in that in the church, woke becoming this kind of battleground, critical race theory becoming this battleground. It kind of drew up these these lines, right? This axis of a of a culture war and. You kind of saw churches that were a lot more reasonable on stuff just start taking harder and harder stands on things that were, I would say, more and more out of line with what we would consider a normal, like everyday Christian person's like understanding of how how their Christianity interacts with their government. And right, and that's how a lot of folks. We're raising eyebrows. I mean, like I said, we've talked about this ever since the jump, ever since the episode one, literally. But a lot of the folks who are not listening to all the podcasts, reading all the blogs, looking at all the transcripts from these various conferences, like a lot of people in the pews too, like, and especially, I mean, people had a lot of time on their hands in COVID and like the, the percentage of the pie chart of American Christians who are kind of in various stages of the the deconstruction, trying to figure out what they are, what they want to keep going forward, stuff like that. These things are posing real 
challenges for the everyday Christian who's like, well, I want to be faithful. I want to follow God. But if these people who like introduced me to God and who kind of helped form my framework of good and godly, if they're saying that in order to stay in that camp, I have to be a hardcore right winger, like I don't see that as biblical and godly and all these things. So like, what do we do? Yeah, exactly. Like, and the conflation of all these things only makes it more challenging. Like, you literally have Al Mohler and Joe Rigney, two of the guys who were like some of the most influential people in the most influential. Even Al Mohler's bio here. Hold on. Like, the National Conservatism Organization, like the bio they wrote for him is Al Mohler serves as the president of Southern Seminary, da da da, which is one of the largest seminaries in the world. So they're like, yeah. we got a guy on our side here who's in charge of one of the biggest seminaries in the world, and he's up there next to Ron DeSantis and Josh Hawley yeah. and Peter Thiel. Like, it's yeah. just wild. Right. Wild. Yeah. And, like, they have, like, three black people, and one of them is, like, color blindness is good. Let's bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> like, Don't worry. We this never is, left it. And, and then they got Al Mohler going, like, and we maybe, I don't know, we want to talk about a little bit of what he talks, but in his speech, he's basically like baptizing the whole conservative movement as you don't know it, but you guys are all following God's will right now. And it's like, what's yeah. happening? It's yeah. the, the Will Ferrell from Zoolander, like crazy pills moment. Like, yeah, this is. I remember when I was, when I was a young middle schooler and internet forums had first become a thing. I went on some libertarian or conservative forum because <laughs> I was, you know, a young, budding conservative thought person. And I was like, oh, can you have conservatism without God? Of course you can't. You know, I made this post and it's like got shouted down from everyone was just like, no, you dummy. We have all of these principles on our own. And I'm like, was not ready for any of it. And but it, basically that. That stuff that Trevor wrote, and I don't want to be disrespectful, <laughs> yes. Al Mohler's address was 45 minutes of, and this is of the very that. long title. Listen, your God will have been supplanted by an idol, colon, the dangerous illusion of a, quote, secular, unquote, state. Basically saying, like, you can't have a secular state, and if you're truly conservative, you're not secular, basically. Like, basically, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, the ramblings of... Like prepubescent Trevor. Yeah. That's that's what this that's is. That's basically it. So like and and what's interesting with this, and and we'll we can link to the transcript of the talk, which is probably on Al Moller's website. So that yeah, I've already can, got that in the notes. Yeah, here. so that you can check that out and and read it for yourself. Um it's not an easy read necessarily, a lot of name dropping, a lot of kind of circuitous. And if you watch the video, quotes. it's literally 45 minutes. So It'll yeah. probably take nearly that long to read it. Yeah, but um, I see this very much of a kind with the topic that we covered on uh, episode 84 as well, which was where we had MacArthur at his look back over the last year, beginning of the year sermon that he did for Grace to You was talking it up about how much they thumb their nose at the government and then talked about how like religious freedom was worthless was the actual quote. 
And not even worth it. It's like sending people to hell or something, he said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so you can see a direct line between this kind of thinking that like this this thought of religious liberty or this thought of the secular state that sends people to hell and the title of what Al Mohler's saying and the substance of what Al Mohler's saying, which is your God will have been supplanted by an idol, the dangerous illusion of a secular state. Like, what they're saying is there is no such thing as a secular state. Every state enforces a state religion. And if your state religion is not the Christian one, then your God has been replaced by an idol. And your sec- your state, your actual quote-unquote secular state, is actually a state that is enforcing a false religion. So this is kind of binary thinking that is literally it's it's in the substance of his speech. We have a we have a quote here that can that can support that because that sounds wild. Like just saying that coming having those words come out of my mouth sounds absolutely wild. <laughs> but that's literally what he's saying. Yeah. He says, amongst the assumptions of this fairy tale, which is the fairy tale of the secular state, is mm-hmm. that the state itself must be secular. No religious authority, no religious privileges, no theological truth, no acknowledgement, whatever, of religious roots, no comprehensive doctrines, as said John Rawls. Of course, of course, the comprehensive doctrine of secularism, which is no comprehensive doctrines, turns out to be a comprehensive doctrine. So that's what he's saying is like this idea that if we do that, there'll be liberation, et cetera. You know, it's a fairy tale. And so since the secular state is a fairy tale and the comprehensive doctrine of the secular state doesn't lead to freedom, what we need to enforce is a conservative Christian religious state? Question mark? Yeah, like... It's so strange. It's so strange that, like, they really do seem to be saying things, like, both ways. Like, what do you think, Trev? Like, if somebody asked Moeller straight up, like, do you think the right thing is, like, enforced Christianity from the government? Do you think he'd say yes at this point? I don't think he would say yes. I don't think he would, but, like, what the heck is... (laughs) but I, what's the but i think he i think what they're trying to say is like that the christian religion deserves like some sort of primacy or some sort of special position in the you state you mean like most of the decision makers claiming that religion and trying to legislate based on that like we've had for a very long time right. kind of like that that's what's funny is cuz like a lot of these arguments actually can't exist and don't work unless we, the the actual political reality that we have which is like, like honest do you think yeah. this is just fear for seeing like oh yikes the next generation is less religious and more progressive like is this just fear and like trying to close the ranks and like tighten a grip on power before like young folks even like so me and you we were we grew up in this still very much like are people of religion and seeking to honor God. And in way, like in strictly, like we talked about this in our fundamental fundamentalism episode, just a couple episodes back in the feed. Theologically, we identify as fundamentalists. Yeah. Like truly and, and technically. 
but like at the same time the, not. <laughs> the, even even folks like you and me who are like we would agree on a lot of theological oh yeah things like a lot of our systematic theology would probably overlap at least on paper mm-hmm. but i couldn't want to be farther from these sorts of positions and that's me with my theological convictions that i seemingly would share a lot with him yeah. so like the fact that even somebody like you or me would be in such opposition to him but like many people are not even where we're at so like do you think this sort of stuff by Moeller and Rigney and these other folks is like fear of like losing power or is this just think, like the Trump so. above it all? Like, I, I think it's a fear and I think it's honestly like an expression of belief of what they thought religious freedom meant all along, which is kind of this like that is interesting religious freedom for for us Christians to like have different <laughs> denominations and stuff, but that's about no, it. Like if you ask, ask a person like a, a very conservative person in the pew, like, do you agree with freedom of religion? I imagine most would say yes, but then press them on it. Like how far does that extend to people who aren't Christians and probably white Christians? Well, like, and I don't yeah. want to be too broad, but like, yeah. And we'll get to some more actual quotes too from the, from the things I think, you know, just looking at some of the statements there. We do want to get back to the wild. actual but statement. Like, that was the but, initial inception of this. But I think I also want to tie it in with, like, like I said at the top, like some of the stuff that we looked at in episode 84, because like we talked about the things that MacArthur was saying about how freedom of religion is worthless and the religious freedom sends people to hell and all this kind of stuff that he was saying. And we looked at it then and we dissected it and talked through it. And we're like, this is ridiculous. Like who thinks this? And like, talking with reasonable Christian people who have grown up and spent their entire Christian life in a very MacArthur friendly church. We're like, this is crazy. I can't believe he's saying these kind of things, but Phil, listen to this. I I think to answer your question of what they're afraid of, I I think it's really insightful listening to this defense of MacArthur's earlier statements about religious liberty from a preacher who is honestly has preached some of my favorite sermons this is uh jesse johnson from april april 1st and he writes he says when macarthur said that those advocating for religious liberty were doing so in violation of the first commandment in the context he was obviously talking about how freedom of religion is now being twisted to justify the appointment of muslims to high positions in our government and he says, and Oof. to crack down on Christian schools and colleges and their stance against the LGBTQ moment. Jeez. Let me go ahead and like, hold on. Read that again. Let me let me let me go ahead and and, and comment. He says, <sighs> in the context, John MacArthur was obviously talking about how quote freedom of religion is now being twisted to justify the appointment of Muslims to high positions in our government. Whoa. I'm just going to pause on that statement because that's enough. <laughs> so so our friend so our friend jesse here why his who is belief, genuinely like we've shared meals with and like yes. love this man personally yes, yes. who i in his, the last two or three years i have had meaningful private engagement yeah. with so so th- what this sentence Jeez. demonstrates 
when he uses this word twisted is that there is an understanding in, in a certain arm of conservative Christian religion that is coming forward. And, and they are claiming that this has been their understanding all along, which is also very, very interesting. Freedom of religion but has been twisted, twisted to support to justify, to justify to justify the appointment of Muslims to high positions. So in other words, Yikes. our government would bar in theory, in their mind, people of the Islamic faith from being in any position of high like position decision of authority. Power. And, and, and the First Amendment has to be twisted in order to justify that from happening in this state. So Dang. that, consider that you thought that way. <laughs> and, I, and I guess, like, there are believers in the pews, Christian believers who think that way. But, like, and, and maybe you do because of 2001 and you believe that, you know, the, like, everything is through the lens of the terrorist attacks and everything is, is through this, you know, fundamentalist Islam. And, and fundamentalist Islam is, is brutal. And, and Islam, as you, as you read it in the text, is brutal. It's kind of like, like when religion is run by fundamentalist extremists, things go badly. It kind of goes badly, yeah. One, one thing we could learn, <laughs> one thing we could learn from that here, right? So this is... This is what's interesting here, right? It's just um, I hadn't thought about that quote in a while. I'd forgotten he said that. That that's pretty gnarly. Yeah. So like, so I think there's a direct line between this, yeah, MacArthurian thought. But then, so then here's a concern, concerning thing, because it's one thing if it's like, hey, here's an older guy in his you know 70s, 80s, he's been preaching for a really long time. He's maybe coming towards the end of his ministry, and he said something kooky in a kind of like, off-the-cuff. Like, and he even said it biblically here, like, we're the substance, biblical, thoughtful human. Like, yeah. I don't want to be unkind, but, like, the Bible even does talk about, like, older folks being more vulnerable to fear and, like, these sorts of things. Yeah, like in Ecclesiastes or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to just be like, ah, he's getting old and whatever. Like, I'm not saying that, but, like... Yeah. That's like the Bible does talk about that. But it's one thing when it's like, okay, here's a pastor coming maybe towards the end of his ministry. He's been a faithful dude. He's, you know, maybe sometimes he says something that's a little off color or that is a little like maybe taken out of, like easy to take out of context or hard to understand what the context is. It's a different thing when you have men in their prime who are at the centers of. Yeah, 30s or 40s. Thought, leading, like yeah. seminaries, things like that partnering with u.s politicians and and i'm sorry hold on here godless billionaire conservative yeah. like corrupt and we could i mean yeah. you know about peter Thiel, right phil yeah but also like because like you know how both... he made his money and stuff yeah, yeah yeah you sent me that that yeah. podcast and maybe we can throw that in the show but i mean that peter Thiel is a different it's, it's a different, whole different sort different thing like, for a different but, time. But, hold on hold on but, hold but also because we both came from yeah. florida they have freaking ron DeSantis there like right next to al moeller giving an hour talk about how florida as the model for future america yeah, sure it's a like, campaign this is speech. like it's a campaign speech so so that's the thing it's like you have this theological but baptized by literally al moeller saying like because there's none of this da 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 we're all conservatives we're on the same side literally like in public wedding god to this what's really funny about this too philip is that like 
I kind of agree with him in some respects. Like, I think theology really okay. matters to the sure. approach of the state. Like, I, I do think that there is a certain moral force. Like, we've well, hold, made no, no, no. arguments like, like not, that. Nobody, in, nobody just, I don't think, who is a serious person of faith is saying that, like, your convictions shouldn't inform how you engage publicly and politically and if you wield power like no one's saying your convictions shouldn't affect you yeah it's just i don't think anyone's saying that right it's it's just that like literally the convictions that i have from the scriptures about how a christian person would approach the state in this in this era like in the way that the lord has revealed himself in his grace and his covenant towards the church um, the promises he's made, the hope that he's given us of a future kingdom, and and so then how that how that informs how we approach these um, broken human institutions that will be supplanted by the reign of Christ eventually. Like the the way that the scriptures calls me to approach those things, I feel like I land in absolutely opposite conclusions from what he's coming to, and that's what's funny, right? Is because. Yeah. He wants there. He wants it to be like, well, there's this theology that has to be behind everything, and, and so then we, that's the only way we can have all these. But it's like, and and it, the it's only like, other hold on, the only other like... alternative is <laughs> the only other alternative is this the woke religious blah 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 the secularism that's a fair Marxism. Like, He's throwing out yeah. like all the Marxism like, hey, listen, nonsense. Hey, hey, bro. Hey, hey, listen up. Like I have the exact same Bible as you. I actually believe the exact same hermeneutic as you. And I come to absolutely opposite conclusions about the impacts of that on government as you. So then which one of our Christianity should be instituted? Mine or yours? Yeah. And the answer is neither. <laughs> because we don't institute religions over the state because we did that for a thousand years. We saw how that worked out. And as it turns out, we're flawed. <laughs> when we centralize all of that power and we give religious authority to the state the state corrupts it the state misunderstands it the state misinterprets it and then you have people feeling compulsion from the state to outwardly conform we already have enough fake christians just with cultural pressure sure we don't need governmental pressure adding to that yeah we want people and like who again really believe in jesus christ yeah. and want to follow him yeah it's crazy. Like, like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? That's that's what I start thinking about, man. Like, well, because like they don't you know better? Don't you know better? You know theologically, like like you said, we share like a theological heritage. God the Holy Spirit creates spiritual life out of spiritual death. A miracle happens. <laughs> a spiritual miracle happens. Like if we're trying to like. Focus like get people to awaken to like the capital T truth of the gospel. You can't litigate that. And I think on a on a test, these folks would get that question correct. Yeah. But like they are compelled, and I don't want to necessarily otherize them, but like this position, this like radical Christian nationalism compels people to push for these things that like I, and I mean, some might, but like it pushes them to to enact these things that like they might not even actually support when pressed on this. Like, right. 
why how how can we reach these people other than just prayer yeah i mean i mean prayer's a big part of it but it's just interesting because like what they're thinking man it has to be something along the lines like okay for, for sure for sure like religious liberty we don't want to institute a religion where like if you don't believe in jesus you're going to jail right like that we wouldn't want okay but that doesn't mean man that like we let people from other religions like actually hold positions of power in our society like that's so crazy like, it's like it's like but but but, but can't we relegate them to second class citizenship though like wouldn't that still be and you're like bro what are you think, doing think about what you're saying like that's but that sounds like that's literally what they're saying it's like well we yeah sure like you know, religious. Well, Jesse's like, yeah. Stuff. Clearly, it's like, no. Like they're saying, Muslims can like make laws and stuff. You don't want that. Yeah. Like, yeah, we. You know, yeah, religious liberty for anybody, but the but the gays can't have any rights. Like, right? And it's like, well, yo, no, hold God, up. God, no, hold <laughs> up. like, and as if they can't get turned around. It's like, okay, like, and that's why a lot of like, I want to be careful here. I've heard. Da, 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 like the family is the foundation like there's some interesting things there that we've talked about before we may cover in the future but literally like i don't remember the exact quote so maybe we can cut this but just like we need to have more children because like the muslims like to have a lot of children and we don't mm. want to live in a country where we're like outbred i'm pretty sure was a word that i heard yo, used yo and it's just that's like you can't can't breed a christian though yeah that's pretty not, sure pretty sure says you, you read your bible that. pretty closely you'd know that that's like, not how the yeah, I mean, works. don't even want to say that i heard somebody say that like maybe i can redo that i don't know like that's just sad and wrong yet it resonates yeah. with so many people it feels it feels right because you feel like we should have power here like we and and that is the we, white christians yeah <laughs> like. that or, or or you know and and i think they try to take the white part out of it you know like okay it no, still no, 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 no 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 think they do so i haven't watched the whole thing i'm okay. gonna watch molars later okay. i watched william wolf al molars chief intern okay. he said in his speech at this convention and i quote i don't have the whole thing the thing that radicalized him and continues to radicalize him end quote is the fact that he has three white sons the first one was the the, the birth of his first son and then as he has had two more sons it has grown more and more that he wants a future for his white male sons where they are not targeted and they have a future and a chance oh at having gosh. a country that does not put them down or die. that is less of a quote and, but the first part was an exact bro, quote which brings to mind a conversation exactly, that you and i had those are exactly kkk talking points yeah like yeah. I, i'm not i'm not just throwing that in there to like you know hitler bomb or what whatever no it literally are those are white nationalist talking points like preserving a future for white america like is exactly like this this anti like oh we're against the anti-white racism white lives all this stuff like which we had a guy that admit is to explicitly us. 
it's the fear of anti-white sentiment is what is driving a lot of this yeah and And he he said that like steven or hold on not stephen wolf stephen wolf wrote the book literally take that part out william wolf said in his speech like i'm looking at my sons like they're white he made some sort of stupid joke like i'm the parent of like three white males like i'm on probably on some sort of like watch list Ha ha ha. Like, because white men are so hated. (laughs) Like, I want a future where these white boys can make it. And it's just like, this is the playbook. This is Al Mohler's number two guy. Yeah. It literally, like, somebody somewhere in a very pointy hat is very happy that this is the talking point for the movement. Have you watched Black Klansman yet? I know I recommended that to you a long time ago and we no. may cover that the guy who wrote that is actually a local kansas city guy he's written the last couple of spike lee movies the end of black Klansman, very powerful and disturbing i don't want to walk through the whole movie yeah the end know. of the movie yeah. was david duke and it kind of morphed and edited like it melded into Trump speeches, like literally saying the exact same thing Mm. and like Bibles and crosses and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And like, that's now. And like, we make jokes, like I make jokes all the time and I roll my eyes and it's like, oh, like this is like idiocracy. And it's like, no, like this isn't just stupid people. Yeah. This is dangerous. Yeah. It's when you see powerful folks, like folks that like, you know, Ron DeSantis is likely the, you know, 2024 candidate for president. That'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. You know what I mean? Like, he's probably the 2024. Trump's got a lot of sway. We'll see. He's got a lot of sway. I I think Ron DeSantis is still going to take a crack at it. Um, Oh, he's definitely taking a crack. Yeah. We'll see uh, how that goes. And and I would imagine if if the Republican Party is smart at all, they'll, they'll put their weight behind him because he's got a lot of momentum. But like you see somebody like this who's who's very proudly tied to this. And here's a statement. This is very interesting. Um, this is from the nationalconservatism.org. They're they're um a statement of principles, uh number four on God and public religion, Phil. For yeah. millennia, the this is funny. For count the number of wrong statements in this first little bit. For millennia. The Bible has been our surest guide, nourishing a fitting orientation toward God to the political traditions of the nation, to public morals, to the defense of the weak, and to the recognition of things rightly regarded as sacred. Now, I I do think the Bible is the critical source for morality, for the defense of the weak, for all of those things. But for millennia, the Bible. First of all, this is the stop for millennia. The Bible. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, I was like Y'all. taking notes throughout reading the statement, but then I was like, I don't know what we're gonna even. And then when I saw Moeller's crap, and I'm like, we're probably gonna talk about that for a while, and we only have an hour anyway. Like, are we living in like? How long do you po- think America is living been in? T- are we living in 2400 right now or something for this to be even close to being possible? What I was like, maybe are they about? saying like, and then our surest guide, like, who the heck is like us? America hasn't existed in the pre two thousands, and then also <laughs> in the after two thousands. Like, I don't know. Since I don't know. at least like three hundred BC, the Bible has been America's <laughs> surest guide. What are you talking about? 
That's hilarious. And like, so, even now, the Bible's our surest guide. Really? Right. Like, what, what have you looked around recently? Well, maybe that's their point. The Bible should be read as the first amongst among the sources of a shared Western civilization. Here's the other thing, too. As a shared Western civilization. Why? Why is it a shared Western civilization? The Bible doesn't belong to the West. Didn't start there. It didn't even <laughs> in the Middle East, I think is what it's called. <laughs> what Israel in that entire region is called. So uh it's you might, might insane. Check it's your insane. check your uh maps as well, as well as your calendar. Well, I think that, that statement was telling in the middle there. Where a they Christian majority yes. exists, public life should be rooted in Christianity and its moral vision, which should be honored by the state and other institutions, both public and private. You know, at the same time, Jews and other religious minorities are to be protected in the observance of their own traditions and the free governance of their communal institution and in all matters pertaining to the rearing and education of their children. So, like, you know, we should be honored and preferred by the state and institutions, both public and private, while... If we're the majority. If we're the majority. Which goes to, once again, think, probably a lot of the fears. Well, and then what's what's interesting, too, is, like... There's a presupposition there. Like, I think where a Christian majority exists or doesn't exist, the Bible should still be a valued resource, right? Because of its inherent value to the, just as the literary thing it is, not to mention the fact that it's the revelation of God, whether or not people see it that way. But like, here's the thing, like you have this second class citizenship model that we were talking about right here in this statement. Yep. Where the Christian majority exists. And what where how do you define that where a christian where a christian majority exists like okay you're talking about the the township in which a christian majority exists the city in which a christian majority exists the entire nation how do you define christian exactly like the people who are like the yeah i'm an evangelical and they literally like don't go to church or the people it's like yeah i'm christian which basically means like i'm not muslim or jewish in America, as of 2020, 64% of Americans even identify as Christian. So, that's like, scary numbers for some. So, and I'm sure that's inflated. And that's, and that's been dipping like crazy because it used to be like yeah. 90%. And, and it's in large part because people are defining it in these ways, right? Like, it has nothing to do about Jesus anymore. We're talking about a purely political vision. That is at the same time tied with just things that are actually absent from the Bible, like stuff that's that's just wild. And and on that note, I I don't want to derail you, but I thought it was interesting in uh, numbers, the pillar number seven of 10 public research. Yeah. Like, remember, this is all wedded to Christian. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't all wedded to Christianity, da, 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 da. But it's basically and, and I don't think I'm being uncharitable. It's like. Public research should primarily look like be R&D for the military. Yeah. Like we should be spending a lot of time and energy as a conservative nation, which Al Mohler and all these other people say is a Christian nation to like continue to create mass weapons. 
yeah. for fear of being like overrun. Like, yeah, that's a major pillar of this. Yeah. And then it says, on the other hand, we recognize that we want to make sure that we throw hate in towards the universities here because this is a conservative conference after all. We recognize that most universities are at this point partisan and globalist in orientation and vehemently opposed to nationalist and conservative ideas. Yeah, as most Americans are probably. Such institutions do not deserve taxpayer support unless they rededicate themselves to the national interest. So so apparently now are we should enforce an ideology test governmentally on institutions of higher education if they're to receive funding. Not like baseline liberty, hey, you can't discriminate, like all all this kind of stuff that we do enforce and tie tax dollars to. But you have to agree with this very like one party's narrow interpretation of what it means to be nationalist. Like, guys, this is this, this is, is silly. This is the road to one party authoritarianism. That's what it is. It's it's worse than silly. It's horrifying. Yeah, literally. You yeah. know you know who else looked with suspicion on the universities and the religious minorities that were in the universities. Mm-hmm. I mean, study your 1930s Germany history, just, and, and they always go, "Oh, like you, you always around. like to say, I don't, I don't want to be too study broad. history." I'm just saying, yeah. you, you come to your own conclusions, but look at look at the alignments and and what is necessary to do that, right? So I also wanted to point out this one, um, which is just really interesting. We recommend a drastic reduction in the scope of the administrative state and the policymaking judiciary that displaces legislators representing a full range of the nation's interests and values. So this is really interesting, right? Because on the one hand, you know, we recommend the Federalist Principle, which prescribes a delegation of power to the respective states or subdivisions of the nation so as to allow greater variation, experimentation, and freedom. So, so two things. There's two competing things that they talk about here. One is that they want a drastic reduction in the scope of the administrative state, and they, they don't want the legislator to be displaced. I can agree with that. On the other hand, remember that in, in America, the legislator actually largely has been displaced by the party system, the two-party system, because we don't get a fully representative legislature because those choices have been filtered out yeah. ahead of time by the party Every system. election cycle, like if you're paying yeah. attention, they have, it's like, well, these are how many people actually voted for the things. And because of this is the way districting works, yeah. this is how it actually turned out. This is why, like, being an independent, like, if you're not registered to a political party, like, I, I get it. Like, you don't want to identify that kind of thing. But, like... All you're doing is riding the bench on mo- in most states. Some states allow independents to vote in primaries, and if that's the case, then yeah, you can do whatever. But most most states, that just means you're riding the bench because you're not actually able to participate at that primary level. And in some states that are deeply one way or the other, like deeply blue or deeply red, it's the primary level where things are being determined. And so you're just sitting out like an important part of the legislative process. So anyway, that's a sidebar, but like, you want to strengthen the legislature, one thing not to do is reduce the scope of the administrative state because that is actually a large part of where we find balance and power. When the executive goes to do crazy stuff, you have these institutions that were set up and are ran and are governed by the people that have people in place who have jobs who can say, you know what, I'm going to either not enforce that, enforce that weird, or like, 
put my foot down because I don't think that's right. And that can be a hindrance. It can be annoying if they're doing that and it's not aligned with your principle. And then, you know, obviously there's ways that, you know, we have recourse to get people out of there. But it's also something that can be very, very beneficial if the people who are giving orders to these these folks have no idea the value or the meaning or the function of the job for the government and for the people. And it's also like very different than even like this whole idea of like, Hey man, like let's just take away all regulation, take all that stuff. Like sure. Somebody like Peter Thiel who has tons and tons of money loves that. Which is insane. Like when you look at the different amount, it's like, Hey, act like there's it. Yeah. Yeah. Here. Well, and this is the whole libertarian principle, right? Like, everything would be better if, according to libertarians, if just there was less rules. All we worried about the was military defense, and the government just stayed out of everything. Of course, what that presupposes is a perfectly fair world where just everything operating as it does wouldn't tend to favor some people over other people in ways that are unjust, right? And in ways that, that we wouldn't want to see happen. So the reality is, is that at the end of the day, you, you actually want the state to step in and care for the, for the less fortunate, for the disenfranchised, for the poor. Like, which is which interesting is exactly and wild. Which is what God set up his, his society to do. <laughs> well, and at the end, the way they take that very interesting and kind of alarming language considering everything else is, however, in the states or subdivisions in which law and justice have been manifestly corrupted or in which lawlessness, immorality, and dissolution reign, National government must intervene energetically to restore order. And what's so funny about that is, like, who decides which states have been manifestly corrupted or in which lawlessness, like Fox News? Is that what you're talking about? Like, you're talking about 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 the problems of the cities, of Chicago, of L.A. It's like you want to overlook all the problems here in Austin. Where we haven't even or, counted our no, homeless like, for 10 years. Looking at your own party, like how many publics, scandal, 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 like manifest corruption and immorality within like the party of the people trying to instill some sort of righteousness yeah. into the country. Also, like the fact that it is not a recommendation of the Federalist Principle. Like, we recommend the Federalist Principle, but only insofar so as, like, we agree with it. Like, it's basically, so we just would like you guys to give us all the power because we think we're right. <laughs> just give, give it to me. Let me let me do it. Please, let me. It's, it's, so that's the thing that's, like, it, it's just sad to see. Like, I get it. Like, I totally understand, you know, the resurgence of nationalists parties across the world right now like it's it's a very sad thing to see it's a very concerning thing to see i think it's it's something that is um a testament to even in some ways the failure of the church to like really teach the love of christ for all people and these kind of things like just just another thing like this this whole nationalist thing like the the anti-globalist stuff like we believe in the independent nations, blah, blah, blah. We see the tradition of independent self Also, hilarious that nation. Peter Thiel is on there <laughs> when they're like, we don't want nations to get broken down by like giant globalist, like structure yeah. monopoly type deals. And it's like, for real. What? <laughs> yeah. Didn't he just take over like some of like the National Institute of Health in the UK or something through um, his uh, Palantir company or whatever? Like, it's just. And- 
just for a minute, so I say this out loud, the man made all his money because he was sold a million shares of his own company that he knew he was about to like value in a different way for a thousand dollars. And then right after he was sold them, they were given a real evaluation and they were worth far more than what he bought them at. And all of a sudden he had, he was worth a ton of money and all of this happened inside a Roth IRA so that none of it was taxable. Isn't that magical? Like securities fraud plus tax evasion. Also an openly gay man at the same time hanging out with all of these Christians saying these other things. Like the hypocrisy in all of it is just crazy. Well, and the I'm glad you said hypocrisy because I know we're going long here. All these people standing together for some sort of capital C conservatism when folks who don't, who, who folk, people of faith, who don't ascribe to such a narrow definition, utilize research or work or activism or partner up with other organizations to say, hey, we want to like be the hands and feet of Jesus and deal with homelessness and uh, unjust police procedures and, and do things like, oh, you're working with like people who don't care about the family and people who like support lgbtq stuff and it's like but 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 over here but but you're hanging out with it but uh, never mind yeah man and it's insane it is i i just and i don't understand too while un like un but i i hope it's unbeknownst to them like actually like nudging to the point in this whole christian nationalist conversation where it's literally like gotten to like kkk bullet points exactly and and then like the boldness to say well this is what we always thought and then once again well yeah see robert p jones and and the work that he did like you're now saying it out loud and i guess that says something about the um kind of boldness that you have to say that because of how things are going right now but like you know it's wild that you that you would say that these nationalists like white nationalist talking points are exactly what you always believed personally looking at your life in ministry like al Mohler in particular just getting back to him like it doesn't seem like this is what you always thought just looking I at hope not your trajectory but like okay it is what it is i mean whether we can't you know i'm not gonna like i can't like sure submit him to a polygraph or something and be like hey let's see if you really mean what there's nothing to be gained in following that anyway sure I just think one of the last things I wanted to think about this too is just like this nationalist principle in and of itself. It's like it's our independent, self-governed nation. Like that's what's so valuable. Like I would just encourage Why? leaders, like look at look at nationalism as a movement itself. Like what is it for? Like what is it actually? Do? Like what are the assumptions there? And there's usually in order to enforce a hom- homogeneity in the nation. There is usually a supremacy of a certain ethnicity or a certain cultural hegemony that is given as like this is the true essence of the nation. And so we all need to to just circle the wagons around this. And I think you could probably see that in their stuff on immigration. But like if we actually think about true, because this isn't conservative at all. This is radically progressive. They're saying things 
that are radically about changing the nature of the First Amendment, changing the nature of the U.S. government. And like, these are radically progressive things, far right progressive. If we actually think about conservative values, though, like you want to talk about like the Bible and the things that matter and people being made in the image of God and the dignity that they're worth. There's no lines on the map to those values. And there are things that we should pursue that we should hold governments to, to those values. What's funny is, is that they're against some sort of extra governmental entity that would tell governments, national governments, what to do. But in some level, isn't the church that? Hmm. When the church is something that is outside nations, it is supranational. Sure. And as we link arms together, as we truly uh, like lean into the universality of the, of the universal church, and we call the world to God's standard, we do call nations to a moral standard that is outside and above themselves and that transcends national boundaries. And so there are ways to read this. This is, this is actually a statement that is directly against Christ and his church. And we have some of the foremost leaders and Bible teachers of our generation standing with it. Yeah. And that should cause us to mourn. <sighs> yeah. Because... I mean, the thing is, Christ's call is a to-the-ends-of-the-earth call last time I read Matthew 28. Yeah. And, and so these, the, there are principles and there are things that win for the globe, even in Christ's eyes, that you, we don't have—it doesn't have to be our nation or that nation. Pick one. We can do things that are good for people, and we can find principles that we agree on that we want to hold all nations everywhere to as people. Because people are made in the image of God, and God reigns over this world of people. And morality is true and objective everywhere for people, like for just humans in general, no matter their nation. And so it's just, it's very concerning to see some of this proto-autocratic language being supported by powerful Christian leaders and by, honestly, you know, powerful Republican leaders just so overtly that are saying that religious freedom is is a farce basically and that second class citizenship for religious minorities should be expected in a place where where christianity is the majority and it, once again like you said earlier like yeah what is that so what is that so does that mean that like islamic fundamentalist republics like iran are legitimate because they assign second class citizenship to non Islamic? Like, what are you talking about? I'm just, my mind is so blown. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I don't want to, I think, uh, you know, the substance isn't the rant, right? Like, we're not, we're not the unhappy rant or something. Like, we're just, like, it's, we, we try to think through things biblically, right? And so maybe if, if you're hearing this and you've got some sort of, you know, you, you've sat on mine and Phillips combo and it's like, yo, I think they're totally missing it or they just totally don't get it. Like, here's these things, you know, that are important. Man, I'd love to, I'd love to hear from you. Sure. You know, on our email or on our voicemail line, whichever, like, we want this to be in conversation. I don't want anybody to feel otherized by it, but like, I really do feel like there's just some, some very blatant lines being crossed theologically and, and it's unfaithfulness to Christ and his kingdom in, in my mind. Yeah. 
I uh, concerning, saddening, devastating, like it, all these things. And it's almost like it's so comically and incredibly off the rails. Like it is easy to kind of yeah. despair and throw your hands up. And I mean, and then they're like, oh, look, why are all these people leaving the church? And it's like, because yeah. you, you you guys. are saying that like the way of Jesus doesn't matter. Be- and also we're still the church. Because it's the way of Jesus like, that has the power to change lives. And you've left the way of Jesus. Yeah. While also saying like, we're still the church, follow us. Right. And it's like, no, no, like you have, you've left. Yeah. It, it's not, I, I don't accept that it's us. Yeah. I think too, like, I mean, not to make this episode long or belabor the point, like if the funny thing when I read some of this is like the, the language is broad enough that in a lot of places, if you don't read between the lines, if you didn't read some of the other speeches, if you don't know some of the context, like we've been bringing here, it's. I mean, there's things that it sounds sound like fluffy, correct. whatever. We we oppose things that strengthen the influence of autocratic regimes. Well, yeah, I don't want the influence of autocratic regimes to be heavy. We reject imperialism and its various contemporary forms. Oh, that's that's interesting, but cool, yeah. <laughs> and we oppose the liberal imperialism of the last generation. Man, I, I mean, Costa Rica, Hawaii, uh, Chile, a lot of a lot of a lot of people are really interested to hear that. There's there's stuff in here where it's like if you didn't know the background and like what they're actually saying, like once again, it sounds really progressive, actually. The idea of like overriding states if we decide that they're too immoral, the idea of relegating religious like that's probably progressive in the wrong direction. But like, you know, some of these some of these things like are are very not, you know, it's different. It's it's conservatism is usually like like the old adage you come across the fence in the middle of the field and the conservatives like well this must be here for a reason progressive person is like well it's in our way let's tear it down and so this is very much of the second (laughs) type right like it's just yeah yeah but so all that to say i understand i understand i think i understand the sway of it like the pull that it has on yeah the the unin like not in the sound pejorative but folks who are not so they Keep say it like up. this, like the nationalism we espouse respects and indeed combines the unique needs of particular minority communities that and the common good of the nation of a, as a whole. Insane. On the race one? Yeah. Yeah. The nationalism we espouse, like, helps minorities. It's like, does it? Ha. Huh. Yeah. What? I'd love to hear how you I am, I am struggling with this. Even like people saying the phrase Black Lives Matter in response to like overt empirical brutality and injustice and mistreatment. I, I'm I, very curious about that. I, I'm really curious. I just uh, I know we're going like long now, like picking this thing apart, but like the very last is this. So the national, this is this once again, the nationalism we espouse respects and indeed combines what? You combine the unique needs, needs of, particular of particular communities. <laughs> what? So, so you don't respect them. We respect them so much so that we take all the unique needs, we put them in one bucket. <laughs> Isn't that great? How respectful of us. <laughs> what? Yeah, they could have used an editor on, what? on this. Oh, man. So 
you, you know, we get it. We get what they're saying. Woke, bad. This Christian nationalism. Conservative good. good. Give us all the authority and we will save you, even though technically you've had the authority for the last 30 years and we see where the country is now. Like, I think that's the other thing is like getting people to zoom out and think of things in decades instead of presidency terms. Yeah. If people are upset about inflation, that kind of stuff, and, and where we're at right now. We didn't get to where we were at right now in the last two years or in the last six months, as, as people typically think. Like, this is, this is a 30-year like, and longer journey. Yeah. And you need to understand the whole journey and where we're at now so you can understand which way the ship is pointed so you know which way to turn it. You know, a ship has been on a hard right turn into stormy waters, you know, for 30 years. You take a, a tiny left turn, you know, before a wave rolls over the deck. Oh, that wave rolled over the deck because we took a left turn. No, it rolled over the deck because we've been on a 30-year journey into stormy waters. Let's get out of them. I mean, ultimately, I, I, I do have hope, but also, like, my hope's not in America exactly. being awesome. Yeah. And, like, in love freaking stop thinking that like if you're a person of faith yeah like stop thinking that like your good is tied to america that's or any other country dude that's important to say that too because like as, as much as it's like i want to act wisely in a representative government where like i have been given this crazy thing called a vote and like i actually get to decide and on which way these these things which way the ship turns in a way like in some sure small portion like, I don't want to be wise and honor the Lord with that. Like, whether, whether by voting one way or another way or even abstaining, right? Like, you, you, do, you have to do before the Lord what is in your conscience. But, like, at the end of the day, what, what's really important is that the church is faithful to Jesus and that we embrace the way of Jesus and his power, right? And that's the saddest right. part, right, is when we see stuff like this. And, like, the Lord will preserve his church. He will build his church. Matthew 16, he's promised that. And sometimes he does that through seasons of even the church's unfaithfulness and yeah. chaff and the wheat being separated and, and things like that and seeing where people really stand. And, and, you know, I pray for these guys. I hope that they will come back and they would, they would repent of this stuff and they would see it as what it is. And, you know, I pray that as they, as they continue to study the word and preach the word, that that, that would just convict them on some of this stuff. Cause like, you know, I, I just really don't think that there's a proper understanding of the way of Jesus here. And, and I think that's the, the hardest thing, right? When you, because you see people who are being hurt by that. You see people who are not really getting to encounter the power of the word of God. And that's honestly, that's one of the things that when I think about it does make me the most angry. Like I'm upset and personally hurt when like relationships, like people who are close to me relationally and people who I have known for my whole life get kind of twisted up in these things yeah. and like treat me different. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. hurtful. Yeah. And I don't like that, but I, I get furious when I think about like the folks who are espousing these things simultaneously with a megaphone to the world and sometimes the nations, I guess mm. like in their weird, like exporting of their version of Christianity. Like this is who Jesus is. Like, that's what makes me freaking like, crazy yeah that they're saying like this is who jesus is and that they're wrong yeah the bible has strong words for people who lead folks astray from positions of power and yeah 
And it, it's tough. It's so hard too, because like you don't want. It's not like they're going up there and being like, "Well, Jesus isn't really the Christ," or like Jesus isn't really like fully God or stuff like you know the stuff that you see as like those typical heresies. Like it's not like they're just coming out and saying stuff like that. It's just that they're marrying the faith to a political of a, a certain political party and movement, and the narrow part of that party even. And saying this, like, behold your God, like, this is what God requires of you. And then, like, you see that as people enter into the church, they consistently are pressured to the point of feeling like they don't, they might not belong in a church. Yeah. This uh, from 538 says, this lady didn't stop calling herself a Christian because she no longer followed Jesus. She stopped going to the Southern Baptist Church she attended for years, though, because she felt like it made people assume things about her that wasn't true. She found herself increasingly at odds with her fellow churchgoers. Being labeled a Christian, people think you're some kind of right-wing nut, Novak said. Recently, she stopped even socializing with the people from her old churches, avoiding making new Christian friends, even. People I've known for years, I can't even talk to them. I keep thinking, were you always this angry and hateful? And like... I'm not saying this lady's right or that is she's pursued everything correctly. I don't know. I don't know her and her story. But what I do know is that sense of yeah. feeling at odds, feeling like people are assuming things about you that aren't true, being labeled a right-wing nut. That's literally what people think of when they think of Christianity. They and think Al Moore of the saying Christian, that's what they should think of. Right. And they think of the Christian right and their, their alliance with this particular party like, that is actually secularizing the church. Yeah. Like yeah. As, as much as you want to talk about secular cultural movements, you're actually part of one of the most significant ones in our age. You're literally like gutting the church. And establishing yourself as the leader of one. And yeah, the, the effect of that is that when you make this unholy alliance, God is not pleased. And, and that, that has a ton of effects. So we we say all that in hope right because yeah. the lord disciplines the church that he loves the 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 believers that he loves i i think that it's a big tent i think i think the lord has grace and space for people who who think this this way and we just hope that there's a significant portion of believers as they read the scriptures or are led into the truth of the scriptures away from worldly secular ideas of how the church should Im impose basically um libertarian like deregulation principles <laughs> for the benefit of rich people <laughs> yeah because that's really what it is it's it's a big game by people with money to use the church to obtain more money and power that, that's another topic for <laughs> yeah the future it is but yeah it's not where i want to be indeed where do you want to so, be in terms of substance shout outs? Shout outs. <laughs> Trev, did you say you, yeah, have you got, I got one? one? I got one. Okay. Mine's, mine's so like in the spirit of substance shout out being something that you are enjoying currently, right? Okay. Yeah. Dude, the World Cup. Okay. The World Cup is back. It's awful. Uh, the fact that it's in Qatar. Uh, there's total moral issue there that could probably be its own podcast there's plenty of podcasts out there about it you can go listen to it i would not be prepared to talk about that yeah that is its own quandary but here's the thing like in my mind like there's 
there is a lot of issues and I'm not trying to relegate anything. This is probably not the clearest moral vision in the whole world, but like there is a sense in which all of these things like happened 10 years ago by people who have been com- a lot of, in a lot of cases either have ongoing trials against them or are currently in jail for fraud. So we know they're fraudsters and we know they're, they're corrupt and we, and we know that this decision was made in corruption. It wasn't reversed because of that, but we have these, the, the U S men's national team, the youngest, national team out there you don't want to talk about like just something that is i don't know patriotic in a way like watching watching people play on the world stage man it's it's a lot of fun and like they these guys have prepared for a long time for this moment and in college i used to get into this all the time i just started seeing tweets i did not know that it had started i just started seeing tweets today yeah it did we didn't qualify four years ago so like this is the first time in eight years that we've been in a world cup so it's certainly a really fun time and i just i just love the entire event you see some really great soccer you get to just hear all the stories yeah it, 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 you actually get to engage in these other countries and like think about them and, and the people who live there and like there's there's something very wholesome about a lot of what the world cup is and how it's, what it's you know in in a broad terms inherent terms obviously there's a lot of corruption like i just said but in broad terms like the idea of nations fielding a team and playing like together in one place like it's kind of it has an olympics vibe but Having it very focused on one sport, I don't know, just makes it even more. And you've always been a big soccer guy. I do. I love it. I I just, I really love it. So I'm recording all the games. I'm I'm having a lot of fun. Nice. I'm looking forward to season three of Ted Lasso. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I engage with soccer. No, I mean, I I remember in college um, watching the World Cup and it was a blast, but I mean, I haven't checked in. You said it's been eight years. I, I may have checked in eight years ago. That was before I had kids, so perhaps. Yeah. So my substance shout out this time, I've transitioned some from heavy, heavy podcast listening to more music listening when I've been driving around recently. Uh, I got a 60-day trial again for Apple Music, so I've been listening to a lot more stuff. And actually, this came from a listener of the show I forget if it was Twitter or Instagram. I think it might have been Twitter. They were like, hey, Fit for a King has a new album out. And I checked it out, and it's very, very good. Um, so Fit for a King's new album is called The Hell We Create. Mm. It's, um, what is it here? Apple lists it as metal. I don't know exactly how it's uh, designated. It sounds like that might be it. Um, it's only a 40-minute album. It's just really, really good. It's, if you're looking for something like hard and loud, it definitely um, delivers there. But good, solid lyrics. Nice. It's definitely like a little metal. bit of, uh, I wouldn't say despair, but I mean, it's called The Hell We Create. Like a lot of it is about like how people are, are making a mess of things for themselves. And it's very resonant uh, in the mm. world we're living in right now. Mm. But it's it's good. It's ultimately hopeful and uplifting, I would say, and just been a blast to listen to. It's it's likely uh, a top ten album of the year for me. I'm not the biggest music guy in the world, and it's a great listen top to bottom. So, fit for a king, uh, the hell we create. If you are into hard rock metal, if that doesn't turn you off, I'd say definitely check it out. Nice dude. Well, guys, we're very thankful that you joined us today. 
And before you go, what we would love if you did is scroll on down the page, see those stars, and give us a rating. Super helpful to us as a small show, um, listener supported, to um, get ratings from folks. And it's something that takes very minimal effort. It's always such a wonderful thing to see. Like, we're an independent show. We're a small show. Whenever we get that email, hey, somebody either sent you a couple bucks on the Cash App or signed up at $5, $10 a month to to support the show. It's just such an encouragement. Like, we are... We are small. We we are working on growing. We we moved over to bi-weekly because we really do want to commit to giving you focused quality content on the regular. Like the show's always going to be free. But if you have it and if you value the show, we'd love to invite you to join us at the anchor link in the show notes, uh five or ten dollars a month. Or if monthly support is not really your thing, you can hit us up on Cash App, dollar sign the substance pod, the substance pod, and uh throw a little bit in our tip jar. Indeed. Helps keep the lights on over at thesubstancepod.com. And honestly, even if, for whatever reason, if you can't do um, any of those things, one of the best things you can do, tell somebody about the show. If you enjoyed what tell you were, if you're, if you're in a church group, if you've got a friend group, you've got a book study. Don't share this episode passive-aggressively, but check our catalog, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but you no, know, honestly, like if you have people in your church that you're you're like, you know, in a church environment that's like this, but maybe you have a few friends who are like, man, what is going on? Um, and you know that they would benefit from it, find encouragement from, from hearing some folks, or maybe you had somebody who was thinking through it with you and you wanted to give them a different perspective and they wanted to hear somebody from the other side. Like we just encourage you to share this with friends, coworkers, fellow church members the next time you get an annoying solicitation email be like hey you should listen to the substance (laughs) so that would really help us out we appreciate it we're looking forward to seeing you next time before we go my name once again is trevor and i'm philip and we will see you next time on the substance John Rigby. John Rigby. Am I right? Joe Rigney. We got Joe. Sorry. John Rigby is on here. What's going on?